about your psalms, talk about John 3.16. Austin 3.16 says I just whipped your ass. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Hi everyone, this is Neil Pruitt from Neil Pruitt's Secrets of WCW Nitro. You may have heard this voice before, the New World Order. I was the producer and the voice for the New World Order. You're listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. This podcast has not been sanctioned by the New World Order. Hey everyone, this is Guy Evans, author of Nitro, The Incredible Rise and Inevitable Collapse of Ted Turner's WCW, and you are listening to the Wrestling Basement Podcast. Brand new episode of the Wrestling Basement Podcast here on the Cruise Control Podcast Network, which you can find on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube on the Cruise Control Podcast Network. As always, I'm joined by a great friend of mine. Graham Matthews at Russell Rant Bleacher Report fan cited Daily DDT. My man, how you doing? Doing great, Randy. How about yourself? Doing good, man. Can't complain. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Randy J. Cruz, R-E-N-D-Y, letter J, C-R-U-Z. We are in the holiday spirit, so we got this show and maybe one more before Christmas comes up. So before I forget, happy holidays to you and the family, Graham. You as well, Randy. You as well. We are one week away from Christmas, so it may not feel like it this year due to the current circumstances, but I got my ugly holiday sweater on. I'm all set. I, I am pumped regardless. I see the background, the tree, the <laughs> I am festive, baby. I am festive. I am ready. Nothing will ever stop my holiday spirit. You are definitely in the Christmas spirit, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Always am, my friend. Always am. Every year. Um. So today's show could be more of a conversation than question oriented like we've done in the past. So, um, so recently the Goldberg documentary untold came out on the network about the streak. So I'm, I, I've always had in my head, like, listen, what if there was a debate about Goldberg streak against Undertaker streak, both different, a little similar here and there, but more so different, different companies, different time. Uh, one had a longer lifespan than the other. But I felt like it was a good conversation to have, knowing that I lived through both in its entirety. Knowing that you are way younger than me, you probably lived through half of Take Your Streak. You weren't around for Goldberg Streak and what that what that meant to the world of, of, of professional wrestling. And I figure with that documentary being on the network and you interviewed Goldberg recently, I know you would get a chance to check out what the streak was all about. So one, I assume you saw the, the documentary on the network, and two, what did you make of it? I did. So I had a chance to watch it early last week. I just didn't get a chance to until actually it aired on the network, but it was worth the wait. I was waiting to watch it for like three days. Finally, I had a chance to watch it on Sunday. It was well worth the wait. I will point out right off the bat, those, well, really anything on the WWE network, but specifically the untold documentaries they do are fantastic. I'll tell you right now, before we go any further with Goldberg Streak, other episodes that you need to watch, Randy, specifically, that I think you would really enjoy. They did mm-hmm. a few on Sting when he debuted in WWE and also his final match five years ago when he got injured. But they did one about six, seven months ago on Carl Malone and Dennis Rodman in WCW. Did mm-hmm. you see that one or no? Yep. 
Yeah. Did, okay. So that was from earlier this year. That was fantastic. That was another episode of the untold series. Um, this kind of continued that trend. They, they talk a lot about WCW, WWE, not so recently, but in the past they would trash WCW for their terrible storylines and going out of business. When in reality, there was a time when they were mm. producing better programming than WWE was. And they created a lot of stars, including Goldberg. And, and I think this documentary around 50 minutes long, really explores that really gets into it, um, goes into how Goldberg got into WCW, how the streak came to be, how organic it was, the mm-hmm. wins that he you know scored over the course of a year and a half, and the ultimate ending of the streak. And again, w- with something like that, the documentary you would think would be shorter, but it actually goes on for about 50 minutes which isn't a bad thing. I think they get a lot of uh, cool interviews with that. As we were saying before we went live here, Goldberg DDP is in there, which I was really happy to see just because he's been associated with AEW all year. So I feel like that was new footage, which was cool. They brought him in for it. And uh, you even made the joke that maybe Goldberg said he wouldn't want to do it unless DDP was involved because they're really close. Um, But they were a part of it. Um, Hulk Hogan archival footage from a few years ago, the voice of Eric Bischoff, which you had said was from the old Monday Night War DVD from many years ago. Um, is that it? Oh, Kevin Nash, obviously. Kevin Nash, because he you know, was the one who ended the streak, so you have to have obviously get his two cents on it. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as people they could have had on it, in addition to those people, you know, we mentioned Sting, Flair, maybe. Not in the sense that they were really associated with the streak, but probably just because they were there at the time, so they could have seen Goldberg's stock rise. That would have been interesting. Really, not many other people come to mind. Maybe Scott Hall, because he was associated with it a little bit. Raven would have been a nice one, because he beat Raven for the U.S. Championship. Um, Bill DeMont, Hugh Morris, because he was the first one that lost to Goldberg. Um, they had Matt Camp from WWE from the bump, kind of offering a fan perspective, which I thought was cool. But yeah, overall, I thought it was a great documentary. I already know a lot about Goldberg's streak, even though I didn't live through it. Um, but it did offer another cool different perspective to the streak than we previously knew about from all different sides. So I thought it was really, really good overall. So at the scene, did you learn something new? Like, Oh shit. I I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I probably did. I watched it a week ago, so I kind of forget. I did a whole review of it for my YouTube channel on, on Wednesday or Monday or something, but mm-hmm. um, the fact that, I mean, Kevin Nash said that he wasn't booking at the time. I, I don't believe that. I mean, that just kind of seems like bullshit to me. I wasn't backstage at the time, but he was like, oh, I wasn't booking. Goldberg said that he was. I mean, they don't really come to a conclusion on that. They just kind of, it's a he said, he said type of situation. Um, But I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Other than that, um, oh, Goldberg. I mean, this isn't really streak related. I didn't know this. This was one of the very first parts of the documentary when he said that his brothers and his father were actually football players. I did not know that. Obviously, Goldberg was with the Falcons. He got hurt, entered mm-hmm. wrestling when that didn't really work out. Knew all of that. Had no idea that his, it was kind of like a family thing, that his dad was into it, his, his brothers were into it. I had no idea about that. And also on the same night that he beat Hogan, for the WCW world title, this is probably well documented. I just either didn't know it or forgot about it, whatever. Later that night, after the show went off the air as like a dark match thing, the NWO attacked him, and then the Falcons came out to celebrate with him, which I thought was really fucking cool. Um, so he, he, he kind of see a different side of Goldberg, too. A lot of people paint Goldberg out to be this guy who doesn't care about the business. I mean, he is a businessman. I mean, he said that to me. He said that to me himself when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. But um, you could definitely tell that he cares about the sport. He cares about WCW a lot. He cared about the streak. He cared about being the guy. He cares about the kids. He cares about doing like the Make-A-Wish and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a really, really cool documentary. You've probably seen that other side to Goldberg that a lot of people probably didn't see prior to that point. I thought was really cool, too. I thought it was well done. Um, a lot of it I already knew. Yeah. But seeing, you know, the updated interviews with Goldberg, with Kevin Nash, and just seeing how, like I told you off air, Kevin and Goldberg could be cool, but not as tight. And I think when you go back to that, that Starcade, which we'll talk about more or uh, more so next week, because the anniversary is coming up, you know, that, that Starcade was, was different, man. Uh, you know, again, me living through the entire streak. I know we'll we'll we'll, we'll bounce back and forth anyway, but it was just surreal, man. Like it was, you're in that Monday Night War era. You're in that time where, you know, Nitro was heating up with NWO and 
those guys from McMahon's company coming over and just building up this new foundation. And it's like, all right, everybody's getting old over here. Hogan, Hall, Natch, Flair, Sting, everybody else, Piper. <laughs> and, and Goldberg comes along, you know, young, he's brolic, he's bald, black tights. You get the similarities to Stone Cold right off the back. Stone Cold's yeah. been around for like a, a year and a half at that at that point. But, you know, as you mentioned, uh, as it was mentioned in the documentary, Goldberg wanted to be different than Stone Cold. Like, okay, yep. he's going to do this and I'm going to do my thing. And then ultimately, Goldberg did become different than Stone Cold. Stone Cold wasn't having those two-minute matches and having the crowd all on all on their feet for the entire match and and building a streak and the reason why i brought up taker's streak because when you mentioned streak you got to mention taker and goldberg i know recently oscar and everything but i talk about the the major streaks of of, of wrestling because belongs to goldberg and and taker so seeing that documentary getting the flashbacks getting like oh okay i already know how how hogan felt about that night in Atlanta, dropping the belt to Goldberg, which is probably the biggest night show they've, they've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, some in hindsight can say, hey, you could have did that on a pay-per-view. Yeah, that was not, I'm, I'm surprised they didn't get into that because I thought that was a pretty... Uh, I mean, I understand why they didn't get in, why they didn't do it on pay-per-view, but I'm surprised they didn't mention that. Like, oh, why don't we just do it on pay-per-view and here's why. I guess that kind of implied it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, again, when you, when you schedule Atlanta in July... I mean, there's no way you can't, yeah. And I, I think I already knew that Goldberg found out watching live on Thunder. Hey, oh shit! I'm in a world title match with Hogan on Monday. Like that I, was I interesting. That. And that was cool. again, it it kind of shows you how WCW was run at the time. A little little flaky. They're on top of the world. Maybe not as focused as as they should have should have been. Um, I like seeing DDP on there. Uh, the, the 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 classic Halloween Havoc story. Um, yeah, their match and the whole fact that if you again like me watching Halloween Havoc live, that the pay per view I, I think you noticed, but the, the pay per view went off the air at eleven o'clock. They didn't mention that in the doc- I knew that, but they didn't mention that in the documentary on on Untold, did they? No, but they mentioned it in the rising fall of WCW documentary. That someone like me, if you if you're watching Halloween Havoc live that night. Yeah, Goldberg and DDP was about to start, or they started like for one minute, and the air cut off. Like, mm-hmm. oh shit, what the fuck happened? And what happened was they were still wrestling, but yeah. everybody at home who ordered it on pay per view did not see it. So what happened was yeah. they had to refund all that money back to everybody who bought the pay per view, and they had to air Goldberg and DDP live on Night Show the following night. Mm-hmm. So I'm not yeah. sure if you know that, but I'm like, damn, that, that, that puts me in that space. Like, oh, shit, I, I remember that. And they, was, they were mad. They were upset. They apologized yeah. on Nitro the, the, the following night. And uh, it was just it just a surreal time. Man. And then seeing that, seeing the documentary puts me back in, into that perspective. Like, wow. Like, I know it's a short year and a half time span, but that time span just kind of elevated the company to, to new heights. I mean, it did. I mean, it was also the peak of WCW, too, because after 99, that was really when it went downhill, like literally within weeks. Goldberg's streak ended at the very end of December of 97 or 98. Mankind won the WWE Championship with all the viewers channel changing over to Raw literally a week or two later, like not even on January 4th. So, I mean, <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't get any more perfect than that, but. Yeah, no, it was a, obviously a very iconic era, and Goldberg was a big part of that. And for as much shit as WCW gets for all the dumb stuff they did towards the end, and maybe also how they handled the end of the streak, the way they built up Goldberg was unlike anything. I mean, we talk now about WWE. Now that they're not capable of creating new stars, they just either choose not to or they just don't do it properly. WCW created a household name in Bill Goldberg. I mean, they talk about in the documentary how after winning the world title, he was on credit cards, commercials, doing NASCAR stuff. He was doing all the pop culture stuff that Hogan was doing and people like that, um, that Stone Cold was doing at the time. Not everyone, if you if you go up to a non-wrestling fan today, they may not know who Bill Goldberg is as much as they do Stone Cold Steve Austin, mm-hmm. but he was a big star nonetheless. And WWE wouldn't have brought him in you know, years later if he wasn't a big star for WCW. I don't think they would have brought him back a couple of years ago if he wasn't a big star 20 years ago. So, yeah, they really created a new star with Goldberg. And that whole era for Nitro was uh, 
iconic. Even though I wasn't around for it, I could safely say it was a big time for uh, Nitro. I think what was interesting was the fact that, you know, some, I think either on air or outside was more like saying how the Goldberg streak, there, there are some flaws to it. One is like, and we'll get to take you in a second, but like, who did Goldberg really beat? Or how does he 2-0 on Monday and then like 84-0 by Friday? <laughs> yeah, and Nash like, brought that up, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but at that time, as a kid, again, I'm not accounting for they're on the road Tuesday, Wednesday, before Thunder, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night on TBS. They're on the road Sunday. So Goldberg is having like seven matches per week. So you add that shit up, it's going to be a big number. So I, I wasn't paying too much mind at the time. But now going to hindsight, is 173 really a false number? Is it like WrestleMania 3 number? Like, I don't oh, I don't know. But 100%. <laughs> because, I mean, they even brought it up in the documentary. Well, that does make sense what you said. There were times where they, it would go from like, let's say 84 on Saturday to like 87 on on Monday or 89 or something like they, they almost did. They inflated the number too much to the point where there, there were more matches being had than there were days in the week. So unless he's doing a double header on the weekends, that doesn't make a lot of sense, which I, we, we know that he wasn't. So, but the thing is though, they bring that up in the documentary. Kevin Nash brought up the two things that you just mentioned. One, the numbers being inflated, and two, who did he really beat? Both legitimate questions, and both were obviously flaws with it. But the thing is, dude, it didn't fucking matter because when you look at the reactions that this guy was getting, it didn't matter. Like, you would think this guy was going out there and beating Stone Cold Steve Austin every week. Like, the guy was that popular. So, like, mm-hmm. when I see that criticism, it's valid, absolutely. Like, when I saw Kevin Nash say that, I thought it was funny. But at the same time, dude, Goldberg was more over. I mean, maybe you can correct me on this. Goldberg was more over in a year and a half than Kevin Nash ever was in his entire career. And that's by beating Hugh Morris 30 times. I mean, just it's just a plain fact. I mean, the yeah. guy really got over, you know, regardless of who he beat. It didn't matter. He was undefeated, and people loved him. That's all that mattered. The one part in there that I felt like, hmm, was that – during their during their Starcade match, I think Kevin Nash had Goldberg in a, in a, in, a, in a hold. Oh, and you're talking Kevin, about Hogan? No, no, the icy hot thing. Is that what you're talking about? No, no, no. That's about Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash had like the, the submission hold on Goldberg. Oh, the armbar. Arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Goldberg got out of it like in two seconds. So it was. I find it very interesting because Kevin Nash is Kevin Nash is a a, a storyteller. And in wrestling, you have to tell that story outside the ring and inside the ring. So he was trying to lay out this thing, this, this story. But Goldberg, the character Goldberg, was like probably saying, like, I can't look like I'm defeated or I can't look like I'm, I'm solved. I can't look like I'm hurt. So you put me in his arm bar. I got to get out of it real quick. So that's where Bill, Bill was saying that I was still learning the business as, as we were doing it. Kevin Nash is like, dude, like you're kind of fucking fucking what I want to do. Not saying I'm trying to hurt <laughs> you. I'm trying to elevate the story, but you won't let me do my job. And that's where their disconnect kind of just went further apart. Yeah, no, I noticed that. That was another. Well, two things about that match I didn't know. The armbar spot and then the finish itself. I mean, obviously I knew about the cattle prod, but I guess the original idea was to have a policeman taser. And they didn't. So I didn't really get that. That was a bit of a disconnect for me. Goldberg wanted the cattle prod, but then DDP said it was more dangerous because it puts down like thousand pound animals or whatever. So no, they went Goldberg, with the wanted, Goldberg wanted a taser. He wanted the policeman taser. Right. Goldberg. Yes. Okay. And they so ended up using the cattle prod. But was it, didn't they say like, Oh, it would be more impressive if he went down with the cattle prod just because it's supposed to put down animals as opposed to, I, I don't know. I, I was confused by that. Like why? Yeah, why Goldberg, they- Goldberg said the second option was a cattle prod. He said I'd rather have the taser, but DDP was saying you can't really use a taser on a on a, on a human that's made for animals. So you can't really do that. Cause he said I want it on my chest, whatever, on my body, but we can't really do that on a human on live television. So the but cattle prod it, was more of a safer. I don't but isn't a cattle prod used for animals though? 
Aren't they both? Are they both used for animals? I thought the taser was like the policeman taser, like you tase someone or something, like you shoot it at like a gun and the like. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah. no? Exactly. So with the taser, it'll come out and then you do all this, whatever. God forbid. Yeah. And then like cattle prod again. May maybe Hall used the cattle prod. I don't know if he, if he touched Goldberg's I, body. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. He probably made the noise, but maybe he never touched Goldberg's body. I don't. Know. Whereas with the taser, <laughs> you don't have to touch him. Exactly. Okay, that makes sense. Gotcha. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I, that was what confused me. But um. Yeah. The armor spot was interesting, though. I think Goldberg didn't really comment on that. He's not like, oh yeah, I didn't want to let him get his shit in or whatever. I, I'm assuming that was the shooting stuff of Kevin Nash's comments, and he kind of shoots straight more often than not. Um. But yeah, no, the whole thing was interesting, and I haven't, I've never seen the match. I don't think so. I'd have to go back and watch it. Was it even that good of a match, or was it just a mess? Or do you remember? So you're saying you, you never saw Nash and Goldberg? I've here? never seen Nash and Goldberg full length, no. I would say, see, I'm not saying it's it's Hall of Fame classic, but it, it, I think it's okay. I think it's okay. It's not like, let's put it this way. It's not Hogan and Sting from Starcade 97. Like, that's just terrible. No, that was a different botch. That was totally different. No, I know. Yeah, well, I mean, from a match standpoint, though, Hogan and I'm sorry, Nash and Goldberg is better. I mean, obviously, it has to be. Yeah, okay. that, a little so bit that, better. So it's not really the match that's the problem. It was just the finish that people had a problem with. Yeah, because like you know, when when you when, when they mentioned Disco comes out and Bam Bam comes out, just right off the back, all right, you already know some bullshit going to happen. So if Nash going to lose, it's some bullshit. If Goldberg going to lose, it's, it's it's some bullshit going on. So it, it it wasn't gonna be it wasn't gonna be a clean cut victory for for um, either one of them. So, and now me, I'm watching it. I forgot Disco ran in. I forgot Bam Bam ran in. All I remember was Scott Hall with the, with the fucking taser. Yeah, I forgot about Disco and Bam Bam. So again, I haven't seen that match in its entirety in in, in a while. I will pretty soon, but um, and that my point that correlates now to Taker is that when Goldberg saying that, hey, listen, man, I come to work. I, they say I'm gonna win. I'm, I win. They say I'm gonna lose. I lose. I, I I wasn't. I didn't have too much skin in the game to say. You know what? I'm not doing that. Or what about this? So he was a year and a half of the streak with the, with the, with, the, with the the world title. Taker, who was in the company for like forever, gets to WrestleMania 30. I know we're jumping back and forth here, but yeah. even he came in and said, "Oh, McMahon told me I'm gonna have Brock over you." Taker never said, nah, we're not doing that. No, I, I'm going to keep on winning until I, until I feel like it. He said, all right, cool. Whatever it is, you got it. And they, they kept going back and forth. I'm, I'm going to win. I'm going to lose. So I just put that perspective of like the main boss telling you what's going to happen. And whether you have skin in the game or not, you can't even say, nah, we're not doing that. What about this? What about that? So they both took their L's pretty, pretty good. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, yeah, just watching it back, I thought it was interesting because then again, there's no internet back then, so it's kind of hard to figure like, oh, what would the reaction was? And obviously, they poop on it now, and people poop on it now. But like, were people that frustrated? Like in terms, like like they weren't throwing garbage in the ring afterward, were they? When Goldberg lost, like it was just like, oh, okay. Like, what was the reaction? Was it like, oh shit, like he lost, or was it like, oh, that sucks? Like, do you remember? Or no, nah, I, I think if you watch Starcade, people are cheering for Kevin Nash. I think at the time Kevin Nash was a, uh, a good guy because they had the Wolf Pack, so he wasn't like the bad guy NWO from from ninety seven. Okay, so both were good guys. Both had a good fan reaction. Kevin Nash hit the power bomb. They won. Uh, he won, and the fans were cheering. Like, oh, okay, interesting. Not throwing garbage. This ain't Bash of the Beach ninety six Hogan turning yeah. heel. This ain't even WrestleMania thirty where people are like. Yeah. Shocked about what happened. Maybe again, well, another question for again. This is completely new to me because I wasn't around back then. So I, I'm almost interviewing you now here, Randy. But as yeah. a fan, I mean, obviously you're not the fan then that you are now. But in retrospect, do you think that was the right time to end the streak? And they posed that question during the documentary, but they don't really give it an answer. They kind of think, oh, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But in your opinion, with the way that Goldberg was, like, was. Was his popularity dwindling anyway, or do you think they could have gotten more out of it? What were your thoughts on that? I think if if he had beaten Kevin Nash, then he would have beaten everybody. 
would I have liked mm. to see Goldberg go on to continue undefeated? Sure. But it's like, all right, he beat Sting. He beat Flair. He beat Hogan. He beat Scott Hall. Yeah. Um, who else is out there to compete? Yeah. And you're already, you're already 173 and 0. If you beat Kevin Nash, all right, are you going back to Glacier? You going back to Disco Inferno? Mm-hmm. Who else is out there? Booker T, Jericho, the Guerrero. We can go on and on. Who else is out there for Goldberg to 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 compete? He beat DDP. Yeah. So maybe to them, as Kevin Nash said, all right, when you get to a certain point, do you sometimes get do you sometimes get tired of that guy winning all the time? It's like in basketball. Some people got tired of the Warriors winning all the time. They're great. But at home, oh, man, are they they ever going to fucking lose a game? Yeah. LeBron ever going to lose? You want that. But at Mm -hmm. at the time of that year, you mentioned no no, no internet, no social media, word of mouth. You you had to buy the pay-per-view for sure to watch what's going on or watch on Nitro the following night. And it felt more real. You felt like you really had to be, you know, intertwined with with, with, uh, what's going on. Right time, I think they had no choice. Well, now was, was was Nash the right guy? That's yeah. that's a different question. Well, that's my next question for you. So we talk about Goldberg's streak. We mm-hmm. talk about Undertaker's streak, which we'll get to in a moment. You even talk about Oscar's streak. All of these streaks, one thing that they have in common is that none of them lost to like an up and comer. Like it wasn't a case where they passed the torch to the next young guy. And there's this popular notion among wrestling fans that you kind of always have to put the young guy over, which isn't always accurate, but it it does apply to a lot of different situations. But in these three specific situations, none of them lost to a younger guy who could have benefited from it. Did Kevin Nash, like Brock Lesnar is a different story. He didn't really benefit from it. He was already a made guy, obviously. But I mean, obviously they ran with that and that was a little different. But with Kevin Nash, he was already a made man. Mm-hmm. Did he benefit from beating Goldberg? Obviously, it was the, maybe it was the right time for Goldberg to lose. But was Kevin Ash the right guy for it? And if not, like you said, who else would it have been? Was there a young up-and-coming guy that could have done it? Could DDP have gotten a rematch and he could have been the one to beat Goldberg? What would you have done? Was Kevin Ash the right guy? Maybe not. I think he was the right guy by default. But what makes this even worse was the fact that, all right, Kevin Ash wins. He's the leader of the Wolfpack. Great. You bring Goldberg now down to earth. He, now he's just like everybody else. Yeah. He's not as special as he once was. Sure. And then you mentioned the, the Mick Foley and The Rock for the title the following week. One week from Starcade 98, Kevin Nash says, I'm going to defend my title against Hulk Hogan. Uh-huh. And we're all like, oh, shit. Like, this, this is crazy. <laughs> Brand new year. Hogan, Nash. Oh, Oh, the finger is this the finger poke of doom? Okay, the finger poke of doom the following week, and it's like you mean to tell me you broke Goldberg's streak for this? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I had forgotten about that. That's timing part that makes it all right. We are Starcade, cool, great. How do you build off of that? Kevin Nash is, is, is not a young star that needs that ele- that elevated push. Same with Taker and Brock Lesnar. Did Brock need that push? No, he, he was already um, established. Yep. When you do that finger poke of doom the following week on Nitro and you get the belt back to Hogan, then it's like, well, everybody's the same now. Goldberg don't feel as as special anymore. Yeah. And not even Nashville special either because he just lost the championship, obviously, willingly. But I mean, yeah. Right back to where he was before he beat Goldberg. So no one really benefits. Exactly. And then Hogan's champion all over again. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like nothing ever changed. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And then that's happening. And then the whole Shivani says, "Yo, oh, Mick Foley put butts in the seats." You know, yeah, yeah. World title. And then you, then you see what happened. Exactly. And it, you, you had two compelling main events on both shows. Just which one am I going to watch? Yeah. And everybody flipped to Mankind and The Rock, and they elevated to the the the, the ratings, and they never looked back. Yeah, no, exactly. And from that point forward, it was just, it was all over for WCW at that point. But it could be attributed to the finger poke of doom that on that episode of uh, Raw in early 99. But yeah, very interesting. So when, when people question 
the Goldberg streak about who we beat and is it really 173 and 0? We can look at Taker and say, all right, who did Taker really beat? Jimmy Snooker, Jake Roberts, fucking uh, Giant Gonzalez, King Kong, Bundy. Um, I'm trying to go in order here. WrestleMania, uh, uh, Psycho Sid. He beat Kane. Then he had the big boss, man. He missed WrestleMania 10 and 16. And I, I don't think the streak really got to be like, oh, there's a streak going on to maybe WrestleMania 18 when he be Ric Flair. That's when people yeah, thought first time. I think he said that himself, and uh, I forgot when it was. He's done so much, in, so many interviews this year due to the last ride. I forgot when it was, but he had mentioned that was, or maybe I think it was actually during the recent Broken Skull sessions with Steve Austin. He had told him that WrestleMania 18, when he goes like this, there's that footage of him going like that after he beats Flair. That was when he first made reference to the fact that he was 10 and 0 at WrestleMania, I think. Also, oh, he, he becomes 10 and 0. By the time we get to or well, at the WrestleMania 18, he's 10 and 0. At 18, he's 10 and 0 afterward. So he actually, I don't know, I forgot if Flair had said something before the show, but they definitely made reference to it at the show and after the show, or like after the win. Mm-hmm. I know yeah, that. It's Snooker, it's Snooker, Jake, Gonzalez, Miss 10, Bundy, Diesel. Yep. Psycho Sid, Kane, yep. Boss Man. Yep. So by the time we get to 2000, he's 8 0. WrestleMania 17 was Triple H. Triple H. And then 10, uh, 18 was Flair. It's so, our uh, 10 0. Yeah. So then people don't start to take notice as quick as the Goldberg streaks. So once you Goldberg is 5 0, people are all right every week, he's 5 0. 10 and 0, 15 and 0. That's, it's once that a year. Was, so you kind of forget. You know, like honestly, like for example, this is not even remotely close, but for example, Asuka is undefeated at TLC. She's won the last three TLC pay per views. She's never lost the TLC. You know, one never really talks about that. First of all, she's not the Undertaker, but second of all, why would you? <laughs> it's a pay per view that comes once a year. You know what I mean? So, and also, this is pre internet. People aren't really thinking about streaks. There weren't a lot of streaks in wrestling before Goldberg. Um, I mean, there's been streaks, but, you know, it wasn't really a popular thing. I think Goldberg kind of popularized it, but Takers became bigger because it was a WrestleMania. It's WWE. And then after WrestleMania 18, you mentioned everyone he beat before that. Impressive, but, you know, not the biggest names of all time. Not every one of those men are former world champions. A lot of them are. But then he went on to beat former or future world champions as well uh, from that point forward. And that was when he might be the only person who actually whose matches at WrestleMania got better over time for the most part. I mean, in recent years, notwithstanding, but mm-hmm. after 18, his matches just got bigger and better from that point forward. So wild question for you. Do you think so when Taker does all this at WrestleMania 18, right? Mm-hmm. So this O2 Goldberg is not with the company just yet. He's a year away. In hindsight, do you feel that the Undertaker streak and making it known and popular and mainstream, this is uh, a fixture into WrestleMania, mm-hmm. it kind of went back into the archive and said, hmm, Goldberg had this streak going on. It was popular. People loved it, although it was every week as opposed to every year. Do you think they saw that and it kind of laid the blueprint out to have their own streak in their company and give it to Taker at WrestleMania? I don't think so, because I feel like they only really realized that he was undefeated at that point. And they're like, we might as well just go with like at all the WrestleManias. There really was no reason for him to lose anyway. I mean, Taker's won a majority of his matches over the course of his career. you look at those first 10 matches, there was no reason for him to lose. So it's not like he was winning matches for the sake of winning just to remain undefeated. It was organic. And also, too, it wasn't really an attraction at WrestleMania, I would say, until maybe WrestleMania 22 or 23. I would say maybe even starting with the Batista match. Because before that, you had Mark Henry. Did people really give a fuck about that? Or... I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Randy Orton was the first one. Randy Orton was already making reference to the fact, oh, I'm going to be the one to end the streak, blah, blah, blah. So it became an attraction with a Randy Orton match. Before that, you had Kane at WrestleMania 20. It wasn't really about the streak. That was more so about bringing back the dead man. So, no, I don't think they looked at the Goldberg thing or were like, oh, we can create this because Goldberg's streak was amazing. Goldberg's streak was different. 
because the guy was 173 and 0. Taker went 21 and 0, but his was more impressive because it was once a year over the course of 20 years. That's some long term fucking booking, even though they didn't know that when they first started it. So, no, I don't think they copied that uh, formula from WCW when they were doing Taker's streak. Okay, just to play advocate and have fun. <laughs> How is Taker's streak <clears throat> more impressive when it's once a year yep. at WrestleMania as opposed to Goldberg, who's fighting twice on TV, twice a week for a year and a half? But then again, does it come down to who is he wrestling? Like, take take is getting Sean, Hunter, these guys at, um, once a year. But Goldberg is getting somewhat to subpar talent every week. So what's, why is it take your streak more impressive when Goldberg is out there wrestling more? Well, it's definitely subjective. But one, right. it lasts longer because it went over two decades. Like, that never happens, especially in wrestling. You could have Vince at any point say, let's end the streak, which he ended up doing in 2014. But you could have had him say before that, okay, you know, we're going to end it. It worked for The Undertaker. It made him an attraction over the course of 20 years as opposed to just a year and a half. And this isn't sliding Goldberg streak, but there's right. a couple different factors. One, you said the people that he beat. Goldberg, yeah, he beat a variety of people, had that one amazing night on Nitro and a pretty good reign as world champion. Goldberg, or Taker rather, had a lot of amazing matches, had a lot of amazing opponents, had a lot of amazing moments, and it didn't make him into a star because he already was a star pre-streak. Um, that wasn't really what got him to be the legend that he is. Even without the streak, he still would have been the legend, was the Undertaker. Um, but yeah, the level of people that he beat, the shows that he had in that, the various storylines... There's a lot of things that go into it, and it was also the biggest show of the year. It wasn't just some random pay per view, and um, it made that more suspenseful. Like who's going to be who's going to be the one to be the Undertaker? <clears throat> Could it be this year? Will it be this guy? With Goldberg, right. he was beating the same people every week. And to be honest, yeah, he popularized the streak. Well, never once, I will never dispute that. But you've had so many people, dude, over the last ten years, I think, in WWE, go unbeaten. Walter has never been pinned one-on-one before. And no one really talks about that because it's NXT UK. I mean, there's so many people that MJF, for example, went undefeated for a year. Does that make him Goldberg? Absolutely fucking not. I mean, but he was also wrestling like every other week. Again, you know, he was facing some big names. It's not Goldberg, obviously. It was a little different. Mm -hmm. Um, But we, we see undefeated streaks so often nowadays, and it's so easy to do to keep someone undefeated for a year. It really isn't that difficult nowadays. Not that it wasn't difficult back then or that it was all that difficult back then, but it was just a different time. And again, the way they built up Goldberg was incredible. It really set the stage for future undefeated streaks. But Taker's wasn't about making a star of himself. Taker's streak, I think, was about making stars out of other people. It made a star of Randy Orton even in defeat. It put Edge on another level when they made event at WrestleMania in 24. It ended Shawn Michaels' career on the highest note possible. He worked with all those people over the course of the early years of the streak and whatever. Um, in recent years with Bray Wyatt, Roman Reigns, who ended up beating him, among other people. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's why I say Taker streak is more impressive. But that's not to say that Goldberg's isn't, especially since it was kind of the first of its kind. So if Taker's streak is more impressive... Do we give the nod to Goldberg as the more impactful streak? And I ask that because Goldberg's streak came at a time in that the the Monday War era, um, era uh, with the ratings and everything, building a new star. WCW had the regular Sting, Flair, Hogan, Hall, Nash, all them guys, but they didn't have nobody young to up and coming. And up and coming new guy, building new stars. He comes out of nowhere, looking bland as ever, bald head, white guy, black trunks, go out there, do my thing, and get the fuck out. And people are like, yo, what was that? Yeah. And you do that for a year and a half. And you're building a new star. You you you're you're getting higher ratings. It's the middle of that of that big time era uh, in, in, in the war, back and forth between Raw and Nitro. And it's like Without that happening for WCW, I mean, 
they could have closed doors way before that they did in 2001. Mm -hmm. So, so if, if yeah. Taker's more impressive, the bigger impact, does that belong to Goldberg? Uh, that's a good question. Um, Taker's is bigger just because of the people that he beat and for as long as it lasted. That'll go down as the greatest undefeated streak of all time in wrestling. Mm -hmm. Goldberg's, for where the company was at that point, I would probably say yes. It was more impactful just because it saved them probably from going under. It created a new star, gave them one of their biggest crowds up to that point on that episode of Nitro when he beat Hogan for the title, give them, gave them some of their biggest ratings up to that point. It's on a smaller scale because WCW wasn't WWE and it, you know, it's, it's not around today. So it's harder to say like they went under, they went under a couple of years later anyway. So it, it gave them a couple more years. I don't know. It's it's almost like, it, for example, Samoa Joe had one of the best undefeated streaks, too. He went undefeated, I think, in Ring of Honor and TNA and whatever for like three years or something like that. It gave TNA one of their biggest buy rates of all time. Did that have a bigger impact than the Taker streak? For TNA, it did. But TNA is not WWE. So, uh, um, I'm going to say, yes, it does have the bigger impact, but just because... It's on a smaller scale with WCW, you know, not in wrestling on the whole. Did it really change the wrestling landscape overall? No, it did for a while. It did for a brief bit, but it's not like Goldberg streak won WCW the war. It the, the war ended after the streak ended. So it helped them for about in the entirety of 98, but that's really about it. It didn't change the overall lands. It did. We're not feeling the after effects of Goldberg streak 20 years later. Taker streak, not even that we're feeling the after effects of that, but people still talk about it to this day. And I guess we're still talking about the Goldberg one too, but that's a tough one. That's a tough question. I could see an argument being made for either way. So I would assume before we wrap it up in, in, in a few, I would assume that during this streak, the best match for Taker was WrestleMania 25 with Sean. 100%. That's going out without, you know, without saying him. The best match in Goldberg's streak time could either be the one with Hogan or the one with DDP and Halloween Havoc. But I think Hogan gets the nod because Goldberg was U.S. champion at the time, still undefeated. Georgia Dome, 40,000 people live on Nitro. I think the best match for Goldberg during the streak was the Hogan match, right? Yeah, the Hogan match was bigger. The DDP match was better. Right. For example, if you got to, if you, I mean, Goldberg even said in the documentary that was the greatest match he ever had, was with DDP at Halloween Havoc. If you got to, if it's a buy or sell question, if you got to keep one in a race one, you keep the Hogan match because that was what put him on the next level. If the DDP match never happens, Goldberg is still Goldberg. It just proved that he could go with a guy that's very good in the ring. So I would say, the, the, the Hogan match was bigger, but in terms of the better in-ring match, it was the DDP match. It, that was the best match he ever had, period. Mm. So, again, knowing that I lived through both these streaks, saw both live, for you as a fan, when you get to WrestleMania 30 and see Taker lose to Brock Lesnar, one, are you shocked? Are you like, holy shit? Are you more like home, like, what the fuck just happened? Or were you more like, okay, he finally lost. Now we can get this shit <laughs> keep going further after that. Like, yeah. were you more like, or more like, damn, he lost, but it's to Brock. Why Brock? I was the former. I mean, I think most people were the former. I know a few people that were the latter. I know someone, my buddy RJ was actually at WrestleMania that year, and he was like cheering when Brock won because he loved Brock Lesnar, but... Oh, really? Everyone, yeah, yeah. He, he, there's, a, there's a picture of him cheering with the fucking eat, sleep, conquer, repeat shirt on after after Brock won, which I thought was funny. But no, it broke my heart. I was really sad. I was really shocked. Like most people, I wasn't sitting there crying like some people were. But <laughs> um, I mean, I guess I get it. But, you know, I'm, that wasn't me. I've never really cried about anything wrestling related. But it was a big moment, though. It was one of those things like, what the fuck did we just see? The more shocking is is Taker. Like that's not even a question. Goldberg streak because he wrestles every week. He he has to lose at some point. He's not going to retire undefeated. 
Taker could have ended his career undefeated at WrestleMania. And it got to a point when you do it for two decades, dude, it gets to a point where people are like, okay, it's never going to end. It's just another year where he's going to win. And he's just going to, he's going to retire with the, with the streak, you know, intact, obviously there was always the chance it could have ended, but it got to a point where there were so many points where it could and likely should have ended where it didn't, where it's like, okay, it probably won't now. And then it did. And then to Brock too. I mean, Brock, it obviously put him on another level, uh, made him even more legit than he already was. And Brock, the thing is, is that people kind of forget Brock, although he was an attraction prior to the Taker match, he wasn't a special. Like the aura that Brock has now would not be there if he did not end the streak. I if I if I'm booking, I would never end the streak. That's me. I think a lot of people would agree. I think Taker even said the same thing in the Broken Skull Sessions. And Steve Austin said the same thing too when they were interviewing each other and having that conversation. But before that match, though, Brock would come in, he would lose a match, he would win a match, he would do this. He would like he was just winning back and forth. Like he had the punk match. Okay, cool. He comes back. You'll lose a match. He lost yeah. the Triple H. He lost the. He lost his fucking first match back to John Cena. Well, why? That that makes even less sense to me. Why the fuck would he lose to John Cena? That was ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he was just another. He was just another part timer. He was like a Triple H, you know. Yeah. But Brock now is bigger than all of them. That includes Taker. When I hear, I mean, the gong too is special, but. When you hear Brock's theme, you know shit's about to go down. And the same can be said for all the other part-timers, Cena, Triple H, Goldberg, Taker, blah, blah, blah. But it's just not the same. It's like, okay, cool. Here, Who are they here to wrestle? Brock is like, okay, fuck. Like, what the fuck's going on here? So, and that's because of the streak ending. And that's even over six, seven years later. So, I was obviously shocked. I was, I think we all thought it was a botch. People even in the back thought it was a botch. Even Kane said in the various... Taker interviews that he thought it was a botch watching from backstage. And he was a little pissed that they would end the streak because a lot of people thought it should never end. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, to WWE's credit, they capitalized on it and they made Brock the biggest he'd ever been, um, you know, for the next couple of years. I still would have never ended it, though. The, you know, but then again, that, that, that comes back to my point earlier that maybe, you know, you get to a point in both companies. All right. Taker against Brock Lesnar. If Taker beats Brock Lesnar, who else? Who is going to be Taker? John Cena. He beat Orton. He beat Triple H twice. He beat Shawn twice. He beat Batista. I mean, like, who else is out there that who he has not faced at that time? Could have been Cena. I don't know. But if you get to Brock and the same with Goldberg, you you get to Kevin Nash and you win. Who else is out there? So I I, I think they both got to a point, and this is where. They're both similar. They got to a point where they both get a matchup, and it's like, all right, at some point, this is going to be look, looking unrealistic because if you beat Nash and you beat Brock, you might go undefeated forever. But as we know in wrestling, you cannot end your career undefeated. I mean, he could have. He could have. I mean, this is an annual thing. It's not a weekly thing. The Goldberg thing had to end. Taker could have retired. He could have beat Brock at that mania. and he almost, he, he almost, dude, would have been done. I don't know if he's ever spoken about this publicly, but the end of an air match at WrestleMania 28, when he and Sean and Triple H were on the stage, that could have been it. Why not just end it at 20 no and then leave? Like he should not have continued his career after that point. There really was no reason for him to. So I think that he would have ended 20 no and that would have been a perfect number. That's what I would have done. Because Vince said, hey, pal, I need yeah, you for exactly. WrestleMania 29. Exactly. And then 30 and then 31 and so on and so forth. And probably 37 if we're being realistic. But no, my thing is, if you lose at 30 to Brock, Again, I don't know what Taker was thinking about ending his career at that point, but if you lose to Brock, that could have been that could have been it. Don't come back for Bray and Shane McMahon and Roman again. It's like, all right, if you take that one L, you might want to think about this retirement gig. But I wouldn't. Well, I wouldn't. I would have kept it going once he lost at WrestleMania. That's just me. You would have. You would have had him retire there. You're saying. Like whenever that first L would have been at 30, 31, whatever, whatever it was, once you once you take that first L, then it's like, all right, what else? What else is it, is it to, to do? I agree. I agree. And I, I, I said the same. I think a lot of people have said the same thing going into that. The reason why that didn't happen, though, and he said this on the Broken Skull Sessions, was that he wanted to remember his last match because that last match, he got concussed during the Brock match. He didn't remember it. And the match fucking sucked. So if he lost after like a great match with Brock or Cena or Roman or something, 
Mm-hmm. If that's it for him, I think I would have been okay with that. If it's a very good to great match, which he was still capable of to an extent. And I mean, he, he was, he was capable of that in 2014 because, <clears throat> excuse me, he had a great match with Punk the year before. So I know he could have done it. Um, this is the Brock match. The circumstances weren't great. He got concussed, injured. The match was terrible. So that's why. And he's a big person of, uh, about ending his career on a high note, which is why he's seemingly done after 36 with Styles because the Boneyard match was so good. Yeah, I mean, I would have ended it there if the match was better. I would have had that been it. Um, again, like you said, who else is there for him to be? Even Vince said that to him. Vince went up to him and said, hey, listen, if it's not Brock this year, who's it going to be? Like, I mean, how, how do you beat Brock and then continue on when you're fucking 50 years old? And Taker's like, true, and I'll do it. But at the same time, he, he said to Stone Cold, I would have lost to Roman Reigns. He lost to Roman Reigns anyway. He lost to Roman Reigns anyway. So I'm not even saying have him beat Brock. He should have beat someone else at that WrestleMania. Uh, maybe Cena. I think the Cena match should have happened five years earlier. The Cena match would have been so much better than at 34 at like 29 yeah. or 30 when 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 Taker was still undefeated and Cena was at the peak of like everyone hating him. Oh man, the suspense would have been unreal. Like with Roman, the match was cool, but like well, the match was not that good. But the thing with Roman is like Taker had already lost at that point, so him losing again wasn't as special. It was a big deal, but it wasn't as special because he already lost. And I don't think after going undefeated for 20 years, he should be losing twice at a WrestleMania. I thought that was the wrong move too. But he also should be beating Roman, who is in his prime and Taker's fucking 50-something. So it's just, it's it was a lose-lose at that point. They should have had Roman be the one. People had pitched. The Shield was hot in 2014. They could have had Roman end the streak there or the entire Shield. That would have been a better idea. The Cena match could have happened at 30. They did Cena and Wyatt instead. That match was poopy. I would have just put... Cena against Taker, and then then Wyatt. You could have done the Wyatt family in the Shield and Taker and Cena at WrestleMania 30. Because the Wyatts in the Shield had a match anyway the month before at Elimination Chamber, which was random, and it was an Mm -hmm. amazing match. Why not just do that at WrestleMania? And then with Brock, um, I don't know what you do with Brock. I was thinking Brock and Punk, and I think I think Punk. Punk left because he's like, I'm not facing Triple H again. This makes no sense. I don't give a fuck about Triple H. I'm not doing this again. But right. if you told him Brock, though, he probably would have come, he probably wouldn't have left because the Brock match in 2013 was fucking awesome. And he probably, mm-hmm. if you told him, hey, you can come back and beat Brock, I mean, he probably would have done it even if he lost. But I think that would have made sense. Give Punk his win back over Brock and then put him back in the title picture after that. that that's how I would have booked WrestleMania 30. But that, that's I know that's a different story for a different day. So overall, last question, you feel like the loss for Taker. And again, it's, it's so hard to ask you because you wasn't around. Fuck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> more shocking. Is that what you're going to say? Like a more shocking, more like, oh, I didn't think that was going to happen. The Taker to, to lost to Brock or the, the, the Goldberg lost to Kevin Nash. I, I mean, it's, 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 it's definitely the Taker one because, again, Goldberg, people had to know. I wasn't around like that back then, as you said, but people had to know he was going to lose eventually. And if anyone, why not Kevin Nash? Because, like you said, he was really popular at that point. It's Starcade. It's not like an, it's a random episode of Nitro. Like, if he lost an episode of Thunder, that would have been a bit more shocking than him losing the main event of Starcade, which is their WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think – I mean, it was obviously shocking because he was undefeated for so long. But, I mean, look at the reactions, dude. The, the answer to your question is in their fan reactions in the building. The Goldberg one, people cheered. The Brock one, even if people like Brock, people were still like, whoa, whoa, what the fuck just went on here? That looked like a botch because there's no way Taker just lost. There's no way that just happened. So it was obviously the Taker one. Whether you live through it or not, there can be no doubt about that in my mind. <sighs> yeah. Um, I think both were shocking. I think... I think if Kevin Nash had a clean win over Goldberg, I think we could be having a different conversation. But when you add in the run-ins and it's like it just all right, um, that kind that kind of downplays it a little bit. Like, did you get a clean win over Goldberg? Did you beat him fair and square one two three? No. Like Brock beat Taker one two three fair and square. Like all right, yeah. fuck them up um, to a point where he got concussed. So. Um, I think Taker L has the bigger shock value because of how the Goldberg match ended uh, at Star K98. But I think there are a lot of similarities, a lot, a lot of parallels to both streaks mm-hmm. that will never be duplicated ever again. Uh, 
you know, I, like, you know like, we, like we mentioned, Oscar had a chance to do that, but it wasn't on a Goldberg level. It wasn't on a Taker level. And people still get upset about her going on second at, at uh, WrestleMania 34 and losing to Charlotte. So it's like, all right, how much did you really care about the streak? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think you weren't there, right? At 34 or were you? No, I was there at 33 and 35. Wasn't there at oh, 34? Yeah. Yeah, so I was there at 34. Well, the Oscar yeah. one was a big deal. You know, people were shocked when she lost, but it shouldn't have been. The sh- I mean, Charlotte wasn't a bad idea, but mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have done that. I just, dude, <clears throat> the thing is, is that she was undefeated. You have to remember, too, a majority of her streak. Takers was at WrestleMania. Goldberg's yeah. streak was in WCW. A majority of Oscar's streak was in NXT, which a lot of people were not watching at that point. So when you hear she's undefeated, it's like, okay, cool. Like, for example, you probably weren't watching NXT Weekly at that point. You don't really know who Oscar is until she comes up to the main roster. You know who she is, but you don't really know, know who she is. So she gets called up. It's like, okay, cool. She's been undefeated for two years. She goes undefeated on the main roster for six months. It's kind of like a reset button. When you get called up, it's a reset button. They continue storylines, but a lot of people are not going to know who the fuck you are. And then she loses six months later. I would have had her go undefeated for another year before she faced Ronda Rousey or something. But oh. that's just me because I feel like the aftermath was terrible. The Oscar, the Oscar lost me. No, and then she fucking tapped too. She wouldn't even get pinned. She got she got tapped out, made to look like a loser. And Charlotte she tapped, and she went on second. She went on second, and then Charlotte beat Oscar, and then she got pinned by Carmella like a two days later anyway. And then it just I don't know. It was just really stupid. I would not have done that. I guess it was better than Carmella being the one to beat Oscar, but it was, I mean, it was a great match, but I just, I, I thought that finish was really stupid. Even years later, I think it was, I, I thought it was really dumb. What was, um, if you know offhand, what was her, her record? If you know, ah, uh, yeah, that's a good question. They didn't boost the numbers. They just said days like, oh, she's been undefeated for X amount of days. It wasn't like Goldberg's where they did the numbers. They did say how many matches she did win, like right before Mania or at some point they boot. They talked about the numbers. If you look it up, you'll probably find it. She had gone undefeated, though, from April of 2018, which is when she lost. The streak started in October of 2015. So that's two and a half years right there. That's a long fucking time. It was probably... It's probably like 100 and I don't know. The funny thing is that she was probably 150 and 0 or something like that, but they weren't also counting house shows, I don't think. I think they were only counting counting televised matches. Hmm. I'm not sure what the exact number would be. 914 days. Yeah, I know the yeah, the days make sense, yeah. Hmm. They kind of go by days cuz matches are hard to count when you're like accounting for house shows and stuff like that. And sometimes those don't count. So it's a bit tougher to count those, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it was cool to talk about this streak stuff. Uh, get a different perspective on, at least for you with the Goldberg stuff to get you up to date. And I know, I know you'd probably check out Starcade 98 at some point in time the next week. Uh, we're going to try to do one more basement show before Christmas that ties in Starcade 90, both. 97 and 98. So that'll be fun with the anniversaries coming up. It's amazing how they have back to back Starcade made events that just like, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, how you do exactly. that. yeah, I know. Oh, really? It's crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. That Starcade 97 one should be fun with Sting and Hogan. Obviously, 98 was Nash and, well, and Goldberg. When, that, when you say back to back, you got to count back to back to back. You got to count 96 because wasn't 96 Hogan and Piper? And that was terrible too. Wasn't it? Or what yeah, was the 96 right. one? I think, was, I think it was Hogan and Piper, and that one was not you're good. Right. Bro, you're right because, real quick, didn't Piper win by count out or something? Piper won the, it, it was for the title. Oh, no. If yeah. I'm, well, not, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, it was for the title. I think Piper put Hogan to sleep. But they said Piper won the match, but not the title. <laughs> really fucking stupid for their biggest pay-per-view of the year yeah so that's some dumb shit i forgot about it. you know i i don't even know what happened at 99 star kid after 98 it was more like yeah no one really remembered those final years it was probably yeah. like Steiner and jeff jared or something like that 
Yeah, I forgot about 96. Piper won the match, but did not win the title. I have no idea why. If you, if you win by, by a sleep hole or submission, you win the match, right? Yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened. No, again, apparently not. <laughs> and WCW's book. Yo, that's, that's crazy. Triple threat. 96-7, A-star cage. I don't know what the fuck they were doing, but I, like again, that puts you puts into perspective that they were just doing shit to do it and not really being focused about what's what you're putting out there looks does not look correct. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, um, they just they just didn't give a shit at that point. They just didn't care. I mean, for as much shit as WrestleMania gets, I don't know if you can find three consecutive piss poor main events like you can in 96 97 98 for starcade at the big at, at, at your wrestlemania exactly of your of your schedule yeah imagine doing that at wrestlemania whatever three in a row like yo what the fuck man you you, you never hear, hear yeah. that on the that's similar like that's similar to like roman reigns <laughs> main eventing three four five years in a row and everybody bitching about it yeah exactly Exactly. <laughs> um, Graham Matthews, Bleacher Report, Fan Sided, Daily DDT on Twitter at Wrestle Ranch. You can find me at Randy J. Cruz, R E N D Y, the letter J C R U Z. Find the podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now on YouTube at the Cruise Control Podcast. Now we'll go ahead, download, rate, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. If you're a fan of the show and like this nice basement t shirt, the right angle there you go pro wrestling tees.com go ahead show some love and support Graham matthews my man thank you and i appreciate it happy holidays to you and the family thank you randy have a great one happy holidays to you as well and i'll talk to you soon all right man take it easy all right you too adios